God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. to say yes to spirit. I like that. Hey, that was good. That was good. I am ready to say yes to spirit. Have I come to the right place at the right time? Yes, and you can help me be ready to say <laughs> yes to oh, spirit. Oh, good, Tracy. We can do that. We can do that. <laughs> so welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie. And uh, we get together on a regular basis to remind ourselves and you that every day is another opportunity, every moment is another opportunity to say yes to spirit, to say yes to the divine operating in, as, and through you. It is really that, isn't it? Every moment we have that new opportunity. I get lost in the idea that, well, I said no the last moment, so now I'm kind of stuck with that. Not really. Exactly. I can make a different choice. No, you can make a different choice right now. Right. Yes. <laughs> Good, Tracy. And uh, we always start with a theme, or almost always start with a theme. And sometimes those themes are directly, um, obviously directly related to spirit, spirituality, religion, all of that, and other times they're not. Uh, but today we are, our theme is the Nativity Story Part, part two. 2. Yes. Because we couldn't get it all in in Part 1. Yes. Which is a good thing, actually. Um, so uh, that's our theme for today. We're going to continue to explore what's the what's the meaning behind the meaning, or what's the message behind the visible attributes or elements of the nativity story? How does it apply to each one of us all the time? Today. In, in our decision or not to say yes to spirit? And um, that's what we're going to do. And see, we then have my favorite part of connect the dots from like last week to this week. So this is a really easy connect the dots kind of thing. Because <laughs> last week was the first half of the nativity scene and then this week is the second half and I um, I really did find myself a lot thinking about how through Mary and Joseph and a little bit of the innkeeper and lastly the concept of so odd talking to me the tuition or the angels coming to me and giving me guidance or reassurance or direction and how I discount that or how I'm open to that, how I believe that or how I don't believe that. I've, I've, I've been very aware of that this week. Wow. Maybe so. we should do the Nativity Story <laughs> Part 51. I know. It really is interesting. And then, um, at, uh, you know, having just the idea of that it's alive and well in, in our lives today. You know, that the nativity story is very much being played out in my life. There you go. That's as deep as I can go without going, you know, into something that won't make sense to anyone but me. So any other connected dots to the obvious part two from part one? No, I think that's a great connected dot. So we're going to take a break for a minute, uh, get some tea or coffee or a snack, or just stretch, and uh, we will be right back with more of Say Yes to Spirit.
Welcome back. This is Say Yes to Spirit, and um, today our theme is the Nativity Story, Part 2. And uh, as Leslie already mentioned, in the Nativity Story discussion, Part 1, we did we began the process of taking the different parts of the story and the different characters in the story and and then just breaking it down like what is that what was the real message besides here's a woman having a baby um and how does that message apply to us today we talked about Mary and Joseph we talked about Bethlehem traveling to Bethlehem we talked about the innkeeper and no end room at the end we talked about the manger and what that represents and we talked about the angels the angel the angel the angel going yeah to the shepherds we talked a little bit about the shepherds about the angel coming to mary right in the in the very beginning with the um annunciation that you know you will have this or did we or did we just talk about oh no we talked about the angel yes we did were you here we did Well, was it that we talked about it, or was that a different conversation about the angel, about Gabriel coming to Mary and saying, you know, you will bear the child of God? And um, Reverend Petra did have a a talk on the nativity scene, and she had a a, a famous photograph, or a famous painting, I guess, that I don't know the name of. The Annunciation. Is that the Annunciation? Is that the name of it? There you go. So that's where... Yes, I didn't know the name. I had forgotten the name of the angel was Gabriel that came, and I guess in that in that painting, it kind of shows Mary's body posture being, oh no, not me, not me. Who am I to? Who am I to do this? And um, and I think we talked a lot about that last week, and that's a huge thing for me to really in my my struggle seems to be that very thing in terms of who am I? <coughs> who am I to be great? Right. Who am I right. to do this important thing? I'm not right. I'm not the one. Go get someone who's like sane, normal, smart, whatever adjective we use. It's like it can't be me. Go get somebody else who's who's worthy. Mhm. It's an interesting thing cuz I in my mind that plays out who am I and then somehow also it plays out if I'm that person, then it excludes everyone else, which it, which I know is not right anymore. <laughs> that that if that like, like there's like there's one person that gets to be the it, you know, oh, and so every one instead of, us. of uh, every one of us is the it, which is what I believe. But there's an emotionality to me that does both at the <laughs> same time. I don't deserve that, you know. That can't possibly be me. Then. The other side, the other extreme, sort of narcissistic side. Oh well, then I'm I'm it to the exclusion of everyone else. Yeah. And um, I listen to Oprah's Soul series, which I say at least four times a time. Yes, Oprah, Oprah. But uh, she has a, a, a priest, Ed Bacon, who does different talks on her show, and he talks about an experience he had when he was a small child, six or seven, where he had a transformational moment in the in the pine, he was out, I guess he lived on the East Coast or somewhere up north where in his backyard basically was a pine forest. And he was out playing one day, and the forest turned into this light. And he had the enveloping love of God. And at this very young age, he had this knowing that he was this perfect, perfect light of love. And he says in that same knowing, he knew everyone was that perfect light of love. And so from that very young age, he he operated from that knowing that I'm enveloped and I am this perfect light of love, as is everyone. And so I I think I get lost in that. But that has nothing to do with the nativity scene, but a little bit with Mary. It has a lot to do with the nativity scene in the sense that a lot of what we kept going back to last week was more than the birth of an individual physical child that this that the nativity story itself is about every one of us yes every one of us yes. basically birthing uh, 
Christ's consciousness within ourselves and as and through us. And so, in that sense, it's exactly the same thing, that every one of us mm-hmm. has that light. Every one of us is that light. And and we don't, often we don't recognize it for ourselves, let alone that everyone. Right. Everyone, mm-hmm. even you. Even me, it. even little old me. I get to play. Even me. Even Tracy Brown. Yeah. So we stopped. Uh, we were talking about, we were starting to talk about the wise, wise men. men. Yes. But we actually, what we did was we talked about the gifts that the wise men brought, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And it's so funny because, um, you know, that, that sense of frankincense, myrrh, and gold, and I I think I know what, wait, do I know what myrrh is? It's like you use the word so yeah. much. And we looked it up. And yeah. we looked it up. But, and it's like, and I remember in Sunday school learning what frankincense, myrrh, and gold was, but that was, you know, 50 years ago. So, yeah, we did look up myrrh, and I actually continued to read after the show because we couldn't um, spend much time. We just glanced at the Internet. Um, but interestingly enough, one of the things about frankincense, myrrh, and gold is that they all three of them can come in more than one form. Ooh, I didn't know that. And so we we both remembered frankincense as, you know, incense, as the fragrance, as the smell. Uh-huh. It can come in liquid form, but it can also be in other forms. Really? <clears throat> and myrrh, when I looked it up, you know, the first definition <coughs> or the first example was also in a... Um, liquid form, but it can come in other forms as well. So um, so I just kind of wanted to clean that up a little bit. If someone was listening and said, we can't listen to anything they say because they don't even know what frankincense <laughs> is or they don't even know what myrrh is. And, of course, we think of gold as, you know, the bars of gold, but gold can be melted down, and we know gold is malleable in form right? in lots of ways. <clears throat> it can be used liquefied as paint. So, so one of the things that is true about the, the three gifts is that even though they come in a common, commonly come in one form, that they are malleable in, and you can be used in different ways. Um, and what where I was getting ready to go when we when we realized we had like sixty seconds left <laughs> in the show was that the metaphysical message. One of the metaphysical messages about the three gifts um, is, and I actually I think I did say this. We may need to go back and listen to the show but that they do represent that you have um, kind of body, mind, and soul. You represent the senses. And what I know I didn't say was, you know, we have the Trinity. Yes. In in most faiths, there's a Trinity, a system, how things fit together. And, um, And so the three gifts also remind us of the Trinity, of the three, yes, of the Trinity. So whether it's, um, you know, what depending on your faith practices, you may label them differently. So whether it's mind, body, and soul, or whether it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or, you know, whatever you, you have, there's almost always a three, a Trinity. And in terms of the gifts being brought to him, I'm wondering if there's some sort of metaphor there that, you know, at the end of the day, everything is brought to us yeah, the universe that we provides need. You. Right. The universe provides you with the riches right. of the universe. And the universe provides you with everything you need in balance. Right, right. And so that awareness that everything is, you know, being laid at my feet, that I, that I'll... There's nothing that I have to work for or do or be. It it simply is. And I love that it can take different forms because that's another metaphor in terms of uh, the gold. There's a 12-step 
story about you know how you how they make gold, uh, how they purify gold, yeah. if they get the ore, which I guess I've never seen this, but I guess it's a rock or something, and it's got all this stuff around it, and the gold in the inside, and they have to put it in this heating mechanism, and the heat gets just unbearable, and the gold maker, um, in the olden days, it, you used to have to watch, and at the very moment before the gold would be burned up, they would pull it out, but it was a the heat had to get so hot that it was just a split second before the gold itself vaporized. And they would use that analogy in 12 steps in terms of, you know, somehow our lives can get that burning heat sensation and get just so terrible. And it's the moment, that's the moment right before you get the gold. And it's funny to me, you know, the nativity scene using it as a message of helping understand our lives 12-step programs are full of little stories like that to help us understand our lives. Jesus is caught. All of Jesus' talks were little stories to help us understand our lives. And it's so um, interesting to me the level of reassurance I need and the, you know, how many thousands of different stories I need to, to tell myself, oh, you know, it can be really horrible and it's just about to be really good. And, and I have to have that in so many different ways over and over and over again. And, you know, that is kind of what the Bible is, is it's a bunch of different stories or reassurances or messages that that this process, this experience that I call life is really deeply meaningful way beyond what I, you know, can kind of um, get caught up in the day-to-day. Yeah, it's... <laughs> When you said, and the Bible is just a whole bunch of stories, I thought, oh, there are people listening who are like... (laughs) Oh, dear. Right. Good stories, lovely stories, fabulous stories, important stories. Um, And the truth is, I mean, and that's how we teach the Bible. We teach the Bible stories, um, but we generally teach them as if they are literal. We teach the story like we... But no different than we tell our children fairy tales because we're trying to teach them the moral of the lesson is, mm-hmm. you know, here's what you're going to learn from that without telling them this is the lesson. Right. And really that's what the Bible is doing as well. It's shaping the lesson and the guidance of how to walk through life in the stories of in this case, Mary, Joseph, and the birth of, of the baby Jesus. Go ahead. Are we going to say something? You look like he had a thought. I'll remember my thought. You can go. <laughs> well, you know, the concept of uh, the wise men coming and the shepherds coming, following following the star, you know, the the... It's like their own journey, and I guess that, you know, Mary's journey, Joseph's journey, everybody has kind of their own little journey, and I think I find myself looking at other people's journey and going, oh, wouldn't that be a more interesting journey? Huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, I could I could do that journey. That journey would be easy. I'd be willing to do that journey. My journey seems particularly at- difficult. Yeah. Without assigning, oh, I love that, I love that, because so often we don't, we don't, we don't truly define our own journey. We look at other people's journeys and decide what we like from what we see them doing. Right, externally. And we don't actually ask ourselves, what is it, what is mine to do? Mine to do. Now, I agree with you. Once we ask ourselves what is mine to do, then sometimes it feels too scary, too impossible, or too difficult. And so then, yeah, then it's also a looking over there and I like that one. I'll take that one. That one is not yours. That one is someone else's. And the idea that the the Christ consciousness is birthed within each of us uniquely because we are each a unique expression of God. So I can't piggyback my Christ consciousness onto yours. Gosh darn it. 
you know, that I think that's a curious thing, you know, to really have that moment of, you know, this is my unique expression. You know, what I also like about that, the way you, that you stated that was, so, yeah, think about, you know, the star in the sky shining and follow the star. And we right. use that a lot, and we use the reference to, you know, you find your own north star. Yes. Um, in our culture today, we use that as a reference. And it does all lead you to the same place. Yes. Which is the Christ consciousness. Yes. But you're right. Depending on where you start and what what where you're standing, you are walking your own path. And if you have mountains between you, you're following that star. You have to climb a mountain or two to get that there. Someone else maybe came from, you know, big fields. Rapids. Right. It's like it's just, but you're ending up in the same place, but right, you can't look over there and take the same steps that someone four miles to your left is taking. Because uh-huh. you'll get to them, but you won't get to your, right. where the star is leading you. It is, it's, a, it's a really powerful powerful thought to think about, you know, and 12-step programs, again, will say, do the next right thing. You know, what is the next right thing for me? Right. And then also the idea of, you know, looking at other people's external lives, it's real easy to compare somebody else's outsides to my insides. You love that saying. I know you do, deep down inside. So, you know, no one knows anyone else's, you know, insides. No, I love that story inside and out. Um, I love that phrase because it's, I think, the most challenge. I think it's the biggest trap mm-hmm. for us as human beings that we do that all the time. We look at what someone's wearing, what kind of car they're driving, what you know, how they express themselves, what all the external stuff, and think. Oh, right. they are perfect. Or, right. Oh, they're so fabulous. They're so successful. And don't have a clue. Don't have a clue what's really going on with them. Um, and not a clue of the things that are going on beneath the surface that there's no way you would want to deal with. Right, right. You know the one character we haven't talked about? There's more than one, but who? Oh. What? The one that I was thinking of, we were talking about is Herod. Oh, let's save Herod for just a minute. <laughs> All right, okay. Because, yeah, I really, we'll talk about I really Herod like, for 30 uh-huh, minutes. Uh-huh. So before we go to Herod, we need to talk about the Magi, the three wise men. We talked about the gifts. Oh, we talked about the gifts. Is there something more than the gifts they brought? I don't know much about them. Well, so they're the Magi. They are the three why are not, they wise? Not, right. They're not the three men from the bar. They're not, you know, the three whatever. They're, they're the three wise men. Externally, they are seen to be wise. Well, they are the men who are the leaders, the the mental... Um, they're the Dalai Lamas of their time. They're the... They're the they represent the best of man. Okay. And whether it's and they bring valuable gifts. So whether it's the best of man because they're wealthy, or the best of man because they're wise, they're smart, um, but not as much wealthy. They're called the three wise. It's translated into the three wise men because they bring the wisdom of man. Okay. They represent the learned and the wise, even not by book knowledge. And and for me, the reason, one of the reasons there, it's so important to acknowledge that, there are two that, that are important for me. One of the reasons that's important is because they do represent the best of man. And here is the Christ consciousness being born, which is spiritual. Uh-huh. And that in order to walk this earth successfully, in order to have a life you fully love... Uh-huh you have to combine your Christ consciousness with what you need to practically know as a physical being. Oh, okay. Interesting. All because right. Because you cannot 
you can't operate in the world without having the best of the knowledge of the world. You you just can't. Sorry. Gosh, see, you know, you know that I said. I know. And so the wise men represent that we bring forth the gifts that you need. And we come to honor you and to serve you in the context of the Bible story. You know, we bow down. We bring our gifts, but we also acknowledge the greatness of this child, of this Christ consciousness. And so, but the Christ consciousness cannot survive without the knowledge of the world. Or without the embodiment in the human. Well, right, the Christ consciousness in human form. Yes. Each of us as a person right. cannot survive in the world without the knowledge of how the world works and how we need to operate within the world. Yes. Otherwise we wouldn't be in a body. So, so that's one of the things about the wise men. And then the other thing about the wise men that, um, for me, I try to remember and it's really important, is really the, the contrast between, or the comparison, I don't know, but the difference between the wise men and the shepherds, mm. that the shepherds represent the everyday person, yes. you know, Joe Blow off the street, Jane Doe, you know, in the, the worker. community, the worker, the worker. And so you also have both coming to be, to pay homage to, to be in honor and respect to this this amazing Christ consciousness, to God, to the universal spiritual principle of life itself. And that they together, okay, they they didn't fight about, oh, I'm a wise man now, and so you need to go away, you know, little shepherd, because you're not important. <laughs> right, right, right. It was all of, it was both of them together, both of them journeying to pay respect to and to honor the Christ consciousness. And so it, for me, it's, it's kind of like this, it is all connected that no matter what station in life you are, you have the Christ consciousness being born in you and available to you. It has the the you know diversity and inclusion message all over it that I love that um, you can be very different from one another and you can still participate together without the stories that we make up about class and all of that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And you you uh you made me smile when you said that about, you know, that we have to have that human <laughs> and again that's such, that's my personal challenge because I'm on that quest of, you know, walking through walls. And um it's an interesting thing for me to conceptualize you know, that we are the Christ consciousness, pure Christ consciousness, mm-hmm. yet we are limited by this this body, this human experience, and to to become fully, fully, you don't like that word, limited. limited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To become fully, you know, em, embracing our Christ consciousness, to me, seems like we'd be like Brother Lawrence. Do you know the brother, is that his name, that he used to, he was so spiritual he used to have to tie him down to cook because he was a real person in modern times. But um, the idea of this Christ consciousness, I the reason Ed Bacon came to mind because I heard a very, just yesterday, a, a fabulous conversation he had with someone by the name of Michael Cremo, who is a scientist. And he has done this kind of scientific journeying through trying to, initially he was trying to, either prove or disprove reincarnation. And through all of his scientific journeying, he has kind of come up with this concept that's very spiritual in nature that we believe that, you know, that we're all consciousness to begin with and the consciousness sort of slows itself down, chooses to come down into this human form versus, and I didn't really even understand, you know, Darwinism, I guess, is the opposite of that, that it's, you know, matter moving upward to create some sort of consciousness, and he was really in, it was really interesting to hear him talk. I'm going to have to look him up, Michael Cremo, because 
he talked about the concept of this Christ consciousness coming into this human form that the the basis of all of it is this choice to live in love, that that's the reason this omnipotent energy or force that's, that it comes down into the human form to then experience the choice mm-hmm. to choose love or to not choose love. Yes. And then I guess the idea of the, you know, the wise men coming, like you said, it's kind of like they represent this, you know, opportunity to be in the human form, the Christ. Well, and the the representation that Christ consciousness, you know, we represent the wisdom of physical principle. Right. You're coming in as Christ consciousness knowing spiritual principle into a body, into a form that there are physical laws like gravity. You know all the spiritual laws as Christ consciousness, but the physical laws. So here's the wisdom that will allow you to operate in a world that's physical because otherwise... You'd just be walking through walls. Well, you wouldn't be able to operate. <laughs> we wouldn't, yeah, we in wouldn't be this in human form. Right, 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 right. So, I, so I love that, and I absolutely agree with you about the um, the whole experience of the physical experience is to well, you said to choose love or not love, and you know to choose God or not God to constantly have that experience. It's not a one-time building up to. It's like you right. have that experience, which is actually, in my mind, the perfect bridge to Herod. Oh, good, Herod. I wasn't going to go to Herod yet, but it's like that's the that's the perfect bridge to Herod because Herod is the guy that wanted to kill all the babies, right? Because because he was didn't want somebody else coming and taking his kingship, because there could only be one king. Exactly. And so as people were talking about the king of God, the, yeah. ki- the king of, you know, the son of God, the the king of the kingdom, the, the physical king, yes. the mankind king, Herod, was bring me this child so I can kill it. And didn't he say, didn't he say bring me the child so I can praise it, but he was knowing he was going to kill it? And why am I saying it? Him. But so he was, so there's no something one there. Would, uh, no one would tell him where the child was. And so then his the edict went out throughout the land to kill all boys under the age of whatever so that if I can't, you know, if I can't identify the one, then they all have to go. And how did Jesus get out before this? <laughs> story there? Didn't I think Joseph, I think another angel came to Joseph and said, y'all need to leave now or something. I think I remember that. But somehow Jesus obviously didn't get killed by that. But at that time. At that time. At that time. It wasn't his time. But but Herod was, he did, he tried to manipulate it first, didn't he? And say, I want to, I want to give him gifts or something, which I think is a very human thing. We hide what our true agenda no, is. We recently did a show on hypocritical right. or hip, hypocrisy. There you go. That's the word. That's the word. You couldn't say and I, I couldn't, couldn't say it today. Um, but, yeah, our manipulation. But no one who knew could be fooled, which... And even if they were tempted, I mean, I think it goes into a lot of what shows up in future, in in, in Old Testament stories and in previous, you know, Bible stories, that you may be faced with the temptation. Oh, but you, you intuitively know that that's not the temptation. thing to do. Yes. And your faith and your Christ consciousness or your angel, your intuition, guides you to stay firmly walking within your faith to choose love, to choose God, and not be fooled by this 
other, this story or this um, desire to please this powerful king yes. who is like offering money yes. for this information, but knowing within that that would be a betrayal, that that would be um, not the thing to do, and, and standing in faith. Being afraid, I'm sure there had to be, in the context of the story, we all know there would be many people who would be afraid that they could be killed if it was learned that they actually knew and didn't report to the king. I mean, think about why Mary and Joseph were on the trek to Bethlehem in the first place, right? It was census time, and it was an edict from the government that you will be counted and you must go through this hardship to be counted. Uh-huh. Hey, so, they you know, following, yes. Herod had a lot of physical, financial, and psychic, psychological, psychological, <laughs> psychological power. power over the people. And, you know, you said that they intuitively knew. It's interesting. Um, I talk a lot about doing work at the Dallas County Women's Jail, and it's a program there. It's it's a, not a faith-based. One of the things that our founder was very clear about is that she did not want to have a, fa- a faith-based program because most programs in prisons are faith-based, and she was very very clear that she wanted people of all faith and that so that not to be the part of uh, the, the journey, but the journey of recovery and very 12-step-based in terms of finding your own higher power. But we follow a curriculum called Seeking Safety, and it uh, was written by a woman uh, in the in the, like ten years ago uh, that was a trauma survivor, and she has a quote in all the different chapters. It's a 36-week program, and the one we did last week in jail. The quote was, "Listen to your heart; it speaks softly." And the idea was, as we went through the, the curriculum, it talked about this intuition that we all have, and didn't label it, you know. But as the women were talking, they all had their own concept of this inner Christ consciousness, to use our language that we're using now. And one of the women had the most amazing story of how she ended up in jail. Apparently she was um, walking and she sold drugs. That was kind of how she made a living. And she, um, a car pulled up with a couple of men in it and asking for drugs. And she said she had this, this knowing inside, don't sell them drugs, don't sell them drugs. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any drugs. That's not me. You got me confused with somebody else. She followed that intuition, even though it wasn't going to make her any money. And so she just had a strong feeling. And so they drove off, she said. And then two or three hours passed, and she uses drugs. So now she's high. And the same car kind of circles back around with these two guys in it. You have some drugs. Give me some drugs. She's like, oh, hell yeah. And she sells them drugs, and they're undercover cops, and they arrest her. And she said she clearly saw how, A, when she was not on drugs, mm-hmm. she followed her intuition. Yes. And then that choice she made to do drugs blocked that flow. Nice. It was really interesting. And so we talked about the different things we do that block our flow. Right. What it does it right. We all take drugs of even some though sort. it may not be right. illegal drugs. Uh huh. Right. Fear. Fear can be a That's right. The stories we tell ourselves about how it's not going to work out, and we just we're addicted to that story, right? And then we lose our connection to internal guidance. Yeah, I love love that uh-huh. example. It's really interesting, and and I think it is fascinating that that like you said, the on some intuitive level they knew not to tell Herod, and I think the fact that he upped the ante. You know, it kind of goes back to the idea of the gold, you know. I mean, the fire got, you know, he was determined, you know, kill all the babies then. So in a strange way, I can get so committed to my false belief that I will have all the babies killed. I mean, you just look at that from the outside, and I'm thinking, and they killed the babies? (laughs) In the story, did they actually kill the babies for the people so under this? And you know that's a huge Hitler. that's a huge myth in its uh, you know in its own. But Hitler, I mean, it's like okay, that happened more than two thousand years ago, but it yeah, happened fifty right. 
years ago. I mean, you know, it is amazing when you think about Hitler saying, "This is what is needed. This is what is required. We need. We we deserve. We want and we deserve a pure race. And so we need to kill this group and this group and this group and this group." And yeah, there were people who didn't follow completely, who had the face of following so they could save their own life or protect their family, but hid people away or help people get out of the country, just like people in Herod's time may have looked like they were cooperating but were not. Uh Um, And there were vast numbers of people who went along with it. So, yeah, lots of babies would have been killed. Now, the other, uh, an, another thing that comes to mind for me with um, with Herod and the edict to kill all the baby boys um, is this idea that if I follow Herod, if I choose not God, I kill my Christ consciousness. Oh, Tracy, that's very, 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 very good. I mean, it's it's in the moment, in, in that ways, moment, right? In some ways, it's a little obvious, but the oh, deeper no, like level that. of that is Herod says, "Kill baby, kill the baby, kill Jesus," which kills the Christ. And in my own life. When is it that I turn toward that not God message? Yes. And ultimately what I'm doing is I am killing Christ consciousness. And what is so cool about that that is I'm the only one that can do that. Exactly. Uh, That's my free will. Right. No one else can do it because they're outside of you. Right. They can't. No one can kill your Christ consciousness but but me. Or I can give my Christ consciousness up to the not God. And, you know, it's like, oh, when you think of it like that. I saw, um, I watched a movie last night, a short, that was, um, let's see if I can tell the basis of the story pretty quickly. There was a man, he was getting on an elevator to go up in a in a hotel um, to meet someone he was going to have an affair with. Yeah. And the elevator got stuck. I knew that was going to happen. Right. That was the next line, yeah? Right. The, the elevator side. got stuck. And the elevator attendant, it really irritates him. There's an elevator attendant. And so, the, you know, and but they're stuck in the elevator together. And the elevator attendant ultimately gets him talking about himself and ultimately oh. gets him talking about his family. And the elevator attendant, you know, kind of, he make, so the man makes this connection between, I really do love my wife. And I really, this could really harm my relationship with my wife. And I have two adorable kids. I don't want to hurt them. And sooner or later, the truth would come out that I had this affair with this woman I work with. And that's stupid. And so, of course, when he comes to that enlightenment about himself, the elevator starts working again and and Did the attendant evaporate? And, of course, the (laughs) attendant evaporates because it was just him having a conversation with himself. Yes. And, um, you know, and then he is enlightened. He's grounded in love once again and in his Christ consciousness again, and he you know, goes out of the hotel, doesn't have an affair, and, uh, yeah, and, and the way it unfolds, it gets revealed that they're, what are you talking about, elevator attendant? We don't have an attendant in our elevator in this hotel. Like, are you crazy? And, uh, you know, and then he goes out in the rain and goes home. And, and But it's that that whole thing about, yeah, in the moment, if we thought of it as, I am killing, killing the Christ consciousness within me to know that directional system that that I know what to do. I right. know what's right. right and wrong. Right. I know what's right and wrong for me, and this is not right. And and the idea that 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 living in that in even making choices out of fear or anxiety 
that that is not the Christ consciousness. And I, yeah, I think that's a very dramatic, and I like that, you know, I like dramatic, but I like that idea that when I'm not in that Zen flow, that river of Zen flow, I am killing my own Christ consciousness. And I'm and I'm making choices that that then you know sort of lead me into that metaphor jail too mm. of this lady you know the, the the young woman that ended up in jail you know that's a pretty graphic example too because I can end up in a in not a literal jail but a jail of my mind. You said ooh like you saw something or thought of something, Tracy. I'm very excited by your ooh. Ooh. Yeah, so I did go back and look at my notes, and um, there was a note that I had about Herod and the babies that if Herod is in the story representing the opposite of God, right? That and, and our own human sense of control or fear that Herod's not someone outside of us, but it's that part of us that you know, that sometimes we talk about is our ego trying to control us and keep us safe, but also it feeds all the fear that when we give in to that, when we allow that to run our lives, what we are really doing is we are slaughtering our own attempts to change, our own attempts to grow. You know, these are very dramatic words, slaughtering and killing. That's very unlike you. I'm usually the dramatic, but slaughtering. Say that again. We're slaughtering well, our... Sarah did. Slaughtering the babies. But say that again. Slaughtering so our what? Our own attempts to change or to grow. Our, our own, own att- attempts to grow into our next... The truth know, of the, who we are. Right. The, right the, the next truth for us. And it's it's in that sense our ego, which we talk about all the time on this yes. show. Uh-huh. Our ego, if if we start, I'm going to rename my ego today. Herod. Today. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear that I on like the future show. I like yeah, that. Yeah, Herod was just having a field day. <laughs> you know, Herod was trying to, you know, keep me broke, unhappy, and you know, whatever. But. No, yeah, I'm not that. having that. I am birthing the Christ consciousness in, within me. And again, I guess that's why I love the nativity scene so much, because I really do. And this week I've really looked at that. Am I being Mary? Am I being Joseph? And seeing all those characters are within me, all those opportunities that they had and all the choices that they made, are really very much alive within me. And I love that idea of calling my ego Herod because that is within me. I have that, certainly I, you know, can have that image of making my own choices that are creating this very dramatic killing of all the babies within me, all of the Christ consciousness. And it's right, and when you think of all of the the things, all the desires, all the all the projects and activities that you think of over the course of the lifetime that you're intuitively led to do, to make mm-hmm. your unique contribution in the world, right. if you thought of each one of them as a baby, yes. representing Christ consciousness. How, I, I, for me, at least, I think, I think I would do even more. Because you wouldn't want it to die. Because I would recognize it as you know, for what it really is, it that the power it has and brings into the world or could, uh-huh. that, yeah, I don't want to be the one, I don't want to be the one to limit that, limit myself in that way. Now, that's an interesting thought. So the things that I am designed, divinely designed to do, yes. are little babies, and, and that's, brings about the the idea, the metaphor that, you know, it takes a lot of time to yeah. nurture little babies and to keep them alive, and they're completely dependent. For a long time and until they are able to them. flower into themselves. And I think many times I've done projects or have things that I think, well, why aren't mm-hmm. you, like, graduating from college yet? And it's like day two of their life, you know? <laughs> like, right. And, and so I don't give the the thing 
enough nurturing or enough time, I'm impatient with it, and and I kill it. Oh, that's really good, Tracy. And I, I, that's a really interesting thing that each each of us has, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100 different little babies, the seeds to plant in the world, divinely designed within us to give out. And interestingly enough, while they seem to our human mind as individual little babies, right? I'm guessing that if we were to really follow them and nurture them and let them develop, that at some point we would see how they were all really related. Oh, I love that, yeah. But instead, we we kill... We might, you know, like maybe nine out of ten. ten. Uh-huh. And so we get one, and then we get another one, but there were maybe, you know, seven or ten or nine between that we just squashed or ignored. And so we, it does seem, I know for, my, for myself, there are times when it feels like I'm going in five or six different directions uh-huh. because I'm, I'm very clear that I'm following some divine guidance, you know, but they are playing out in so many different ways or with different target audiences or, you know, using similar but different skills. And it seems like they're so disconnected sometimes. And, I, you know, it just makes me think. Some of the things that I've had ideas to do but I haven't done them, I wonder if they would have been kind of the bridges that made me made it easier for me to see how all of it's connected anyway. Yes, I bet you're right. And I would imagine, and uh, how I believe is, is everything's pushing towards the good. And so even in these moments of which I have, you know, ultimate where I see just darkness, that's still pushing me towards the next good. Yes, and if I don't take that path, which we've talked about in other shows, if I don't take that path, it still it just means I have a longer, you know, I have to take the detour. I'm still going to get to you back the to that good. path, right? Yeah, it's not like I could kill it forever, but I will not get there as directly as I would. It's like you know when you are looking at a map, and sometimes you can see oh, here's a straight line between point A and point B, but there's no road there. And so if I'm going to follow the road that's already been laid down by the United States interstate highway system, (laughs) right, then I may have to go, you know, 30 miles to the north and maybe even 20 miles past to the east of where I'm going and come back to it because that's the road I can see. And would if we follow the spirit, would it make its own road? Come on now, say it could, say it could. Absolutely. There, okay, there you go. Often, almost, not always, but often. We can't see the how, but we keep walking step by step. And the how might be take the road that already exists because there's some other things you need to learn or pick up or people you need to meet along the way, as long as you don't forget that your destination has already been defined. The star. So it's not it's not that the, um, you know, the quote-unquote longer road is a bad road. It's not a good or bad. But there, I think there is a difference between direct and detour. And especially if the direct path that you're just saying, ah, no, 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 I'm not going to do that, then I think your detour gets even more complicated, more complex. So it could be that the interstate highway, the road already there, is serving a purpose in your in your destination, in your journey. And the journey of, you know, the journey of Christ consciousness being something that kind of happens every day and every experience, and happens over the entirety of my life. Yes, I agree with I that. I get lost sometimes thinking, <laughs> you know, that it's this entirety of my whole life, but not really. It's every moment of every day. It's right now. It's right now. And now it's right now again. 
us right now again and and not to get lost in you know if and and when I have right nows that aren't what I desire to not get lost in it, that will always be my right now. <laughs> nope, it's over. That's right. It's over. That right now is, die, you know, it's, it's dead, dead, dead. That moment that just passed. Go on. Now, uh, I'm very excited about the idea that we talked about the possibility of doing Bible stories. Can I just move forward? See, because we have the Herod thing. Wasn't Moses in the Herod story in terms of didn't his mother put him in a basket? Is that Moses? Moses was um, affected by a king's edict to kill all the boys, yes. And, um, and yes, he was saved by... Was it a slave or his mama put him in a basket? That's a good question. I think it was a slave. That I'm a spiritually steady <laughs> But one of the things I, one of the things, and actually that's really good. One of the things I, because I used to know all the Bible stories inside and out. Oh. But I had to let that go to be able to go deeper. And right. so now I'm on the side of, now I'm relearning all the Bible stories, the details the of them. Details. Like I know the points of them, yeah. but the details of who did what when, I'm relearning it now that I've re. I've replaced the literal aspect of my interpretation with the spiritual aspect. Right. So I, I'm, I am, even when I think I'm right, I hesitate now and say, I'll go look it up before I will speak to that. So can we do Moses next? No. No. We can't do Moses next? Well, we can do Moses next, but uh-huh. we can't do Moses like next week. Oh, we can't. Well, we could start <laughs> our Bible series, our Bible story series with Moses whenever we start it. Oh, I see. Are you just being? Why can't we do it next week? <laughs> I think our time is about up. <laughs> but there is a there 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 is stories within the stories. Always. I guess that's the that's point, what, too. Actually, that's, it's interesting because if, when we when we do start this series on Bible stories, we're going to have to be really um, disciplined because all of them we could probably take a month. We could probably do sure. because there's so many, so many possible connections. And I'll just put a plug in. If you're ever in a city that has any kind of um, center for spiritual living in your city, if they ever do a class on Bible and New Thought, um, it's one of the most powerful classes I've ever taken in terms of making the Bible alive for me today and understanding how I am, all the characters here and now, right now. Every day, every day. So that's about all the time we have for today's show, talking about more about the Nativity story. And um, we hope that it gave you something to think about and talk about with your friends and family. That's the idea, to continue the conversation. So until we meet again, we encourage you to say say yes to spirit. Play Whitney Houston. Okay.
With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.